0: There's no denying the footage, there's a, a massive question mark over the regulator. This is the sort of material that will shake the industry to the core.
1: Without divulging all our secrets, we have intelligence networks that we can trace where, if those horses are being sent to those. And we have cooperation from various people to know if this, if that's occurring.
0: Can a horse be listed as active and actually have been sent to a knackery?
1: If the owners haven't notified us, that, that's a possibility, yes. We have to rely on the information that's given to us. We don't have the resources to go to every horse in New South Wales to see if it's alive or, or passed away.
0: It equates to about 4,000 raised horses killed in this one abattoir alone, probably closer to 5,000. The thoroughbred racing industry tells us that 0.4% of horses leaving the racing industry are ending up in a knackery or an abattoir, which I think equates to 34 horses per year. That's what the industry's assuring us of. More than that is killed
1: in one week at this one abattoir alone. If there is, it means that, that the people have, have acted against the rules of racing and they, and if we have evidence of that, they will be dealt with pretty severely. We'll put the full force of the rules of racing against anyone that does that because it's a severe breach of our rules.
0: While many enjoy the party that is the Melbourne Cup and Spring Racing Carnival, we are constantly reminded that there are, well, more than ever, realities that hide behind the glamour of the Australian horse racing industry. Last week, that investigation piece was released by the ABC, documenting over 4,000 racehorses who had been disposed of and killed at a slaughterhouse in Caboolture, Queensland. Our next guest is Brian Littley. He's a former uh, advertiser, editor and also a racehorse owner who will share the further realities of the slaughtering of uh, retired racehorses along with solutions for the industry to consider for the future. So first off, Brian, welcome to the Press Box. G'day, guys. How are you? We are brilliant. Um, this is this is a a, a a topic which has really sparked a lot of debate in uh, the world of just sport here in Australia, but uh, in particular, probably the eastern states uh, most heavily with these sorts of uh, issues being arisen in the last couple of weeks. Um, where did it start off for you? And, and maybe we'll perhaps get your background before we go into the uh, the actual details.
2: Yeah, look, I'm uh you know, I've been a, a hobby sort of owner or that was my initial interest uh in in racehorses, but uh at the at that lowest of levels out in the country in the bush racing and and following horses around um starting off, you know, uh, with some small ownership in Alice Springs with a our, our first horse and um we followed her um across to Cunnamulla, um where she was racing out there in the bush and traveling Hundreds of miles um, all around, um, you know, good treatment, and we we bought that horse. home. it was always our, our our decision to, or our desire that any horse that we got involved in was would have a life after its racing. So we've got a property um, that uh, is down south of Adelaide, near Victor Harbor, there, and and uh, a couple of hundred acres and um you know that property was earmarked for us from about five six years ago and that's when i started to get into the idea of you know being able to have ownership of a racehorse uh and be part of that scene and and be part of that experience um you know i've had some met some wonderful people out and about in the uh, country race scene and and further afield um into the higher levels as well um but being able to take on horses afterwards and, and things like that and look after them so we could have the best of both worlds so to speak and, and meet the expectations of what is a good owner and and um, and participant in the industry
0: now from there of course uh, you've then taken on uh, the ownership of a horse uh, how did you get yourself involved in that
2: yeah look, we um we uh, had our first horse and we we did bring her home unfortunately um, she she did die in a tracking incident and um, you know, that really sparked something with us that um, we lost that horse because there weren't facilities to be able to, there wasn't a real good facility for us to turn to in that time um, to give it just that, you know, a couple of weeks or a bit of a, a break to, mm. to try to see um, what we could do with it. So um, it was our intention to to save her. Um, that didn't happen, but that sort of, we, we looked at it after that um and thought about what can we do with our land and our property where can we go to try to to make it better for other horses so um yeah, that's what we've been doing over the past three or four years all self-funded um you know we bought a couple of horses home um we'd had a share in them we bought them home from out in drought country in Cunnamulla um uh, they were suffering out there because simply the conditions were so hard for these horses mm. um and the uh, trainers and the owners there the part owners you know wanted a better life for these horses, so they came home to to us um and we've sort of evolved from there what's your initial reaction when you see something a report like this on on the ABC? Um, my reaction to the images are that it's shocking mm. um, the treatment of those horses is absolutely uh, Deplorable um, by those individuals in that abattoir to to treat a horse like that to even speak to a horse like mm. you see that one individual you know there um th- there's no respect for the animal there's no respect for the um, best practice of in an abattoir um, to see the report um, my reaction to it is that it's uh it's a very timely um, you know they're, t- they're on a sure bet there to get some attention um, the animal activists and and I don't think that it's uh, it's certainly not a fair representation of the racing industry.
0: Yeah, you mentioned there the timeliness, and it is very interesting. Now you're you're obviously a former journalist, so you uh, you understand the conventions of stories and the timing behind them. The ABC, how are you skeptical of how long they may have been sitting on this story and when they released it?
2: Yeah, look, I have um, you know quite clear to me that uh, had they acted earlier. Um, had the uh, footage and, and the and what these investigative investigators, you know, the animal activists had known about the Kabulcha abattoir mm. had been released when they first got it two years ago. Uh, they could have saved a lot of horses.
0: Two years ago, um,
2: up to two years ago, yeah, I believe wow. the investigation went mm. that far back. Um, some of the argument is there that uh, you know they needed the proof to show that this is happening. Um, I don't really buy that when you start to see. Those images, that mm. that um, that much mistreatment of animals, you have a you must act in that circumstance.
1: You said, uh, Brian, that three or four years ago, this sort of struck you and you lost your own horse, which is sad. Is there enough, I guess, regulation guidelines in the horse industry to treat horses that have become injured? Do you think it needs, or uh, will this give it uh, a little boost to get things in the right place? Yeah, look, i think um across the different
2: um sectors like across the different states and that um there's varying levels of um response to in this in this area in this field um i understand, you know victoria do it very well um and and have been and every re- the victorian racing uh, racing victoria has reacted really well um but those sort of measures and and methods have been in place and have been growing it's growing momentum absolutely and we have uh, there's events like the um, off the track series for show jumping and everything I try to put horses back through there and and give them a, a good sort of avenue um, and purpose for, for these horses so it has been going it's growing and this will certainly push it along further I have no doubt about that that um, you know the, the the first people to respond to it and and the biggest response has been racing Australia they are pretty much the only authority um Racing Australia and the subsidiaries to respond.
3: Now this report uh is Eastern state based, but uh, are we naive to think that it's not happening in South Australia and
2: other states around Australia? Well Dale, historically of course, you know, we know we've got a we've had a horse abattoir at Peterborough. So it's it's clear that it has been it has happened in the past that horses from the track have gone to that towards it's it's a it's been happening for decades everywhere all around the world that's there's a commercial there's a commercial proposition there um, but um, I can say in in recent times in my observations from what I've seen from those country tracks and and people around I know a lot of trainers and a lot of owners in and around South Australia um, that I don't see much of this happening at all you don't hear too many horses going off to the abattoirs at all not from the track not out of that
0: that way so what would a reason be for a owner of a horse uh to take one of the horses they own to an abattoir
2: look it'd be in my mind and only seen from my observations i can only say that it's it's a last last ditch thing yeah um you know, you have horses that uh, have injuries. We—that's you know—in any sport, we have injuries um, and deaths. Um, so, humane, humane destruction of an animal that's been injured—that they're not going off the abattoirs. Um, it would be a, a last ditch thing. What we're seeing with these horses—the horses that you see in those videos—aren't straight off the track. Mm they 've gone through other places they may may have been rehomed, and this happens a lot where um, well well intentioned people take on horses, rehome them, and then their circumstances change. you know they find that it 's hard horses are a hard thing to look after, and they 're expensive and expensive yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and, and I suppose as well the the numbers that the industry are putting out would you would you suggest that and we saw this during the investigation documentary that was released that Maybe the numbers are being fudged in a sense to the point where it's alarming that they're hiding so many instances of this. You mean they're in different raising well, areas? No, the the different the bodies in obviously the eastern states obviously release their own statements around who, how many there are. Um, do you think that South Australia would at all fudge theirs?
2: Look, I don't think. Um, you mean how many are being slaughtered, or how many are, well, are, are being we, retired, or are, are we are being, being put
0: told? the the correct amount of number of horses in oh, South Australia that would be slaughtered?
2: I I believe um horses in general. Um, we uh, probably don't have an understanding of how many horses in general. We're right. talking all sorts of horses right. like ponies, mm. um, you know, stock horses, um former wild horses that have been rehomed and, and things like that. There could be there could be hundreds. Like this, but from a racing perspective, I think that you'd find that the numbers are pretty spot on, that we're being told. Is it uh, just a case like in anything, is it a
3: minority spoiling it for the majority in the industry?
2: Yeah, again, like I'm, I'm going on what I see and who I speak to, and, and I do get to see a lot of these lower end people. They give up everything for their horses, and they are really good people. And they work together to make sure that, um, you know, we we can only do what we do to save Or save or rehome and try to re educate. Only we've done about 12 to 15 horses that we've had played a hand in through our property and also, um, you know, through negotiating and talking to other people to try to help finds. We can only do that because we've got that support of the industry and we've got people around that look out for each other and help transport horses from here to there and take them on and look after them for a bit so we can get those arrangements in in place. Um, So that's what I see. And the majority of people are just, they'll do anything for their horses and for the horses they compete against. And it's a real good community. It's a strong community that, that put in for other communities around the place and support them. So yes, I think that uh, it is a minority of greedy, selfish people that, you know, it's a sport of kings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and kings can be expendable.
1: So there is that element there. But the heart of it, good people. So, should the racing bodies around Australia should there be some form of financial give back to protect to start a fund for one of one of a better term in AFL they have player funds and mm. now looking at concussion funds that should there the racing body, which is a billion dollar industry mm. should some money be given back to protect these these horses?
2: absolutely, and it already is. Um, Racing Victoria has announced a $25 million equine um, welfare fund um, I think over three years that, that'll play out.
0: Yeah, 10% of all public ticket sales from this year's Melbourne Cup Carnival will go to it and then 5% of the VRC membership fees um, will go to the equine um, yeah. well-being fund which is fantastic.
2: And using that money in a, in a way that uh, or using those funds in a way that do fund operations a bit like ours to to be able to expand and um, it's essential that we create avenues for these horses because they can't just languish in a paddock. You can't, no place on earth can be a sanctuary for all the, for these horses and mm-hmm. just have them. They'll live until they're 25 years old. And we've seen in South Australia alone that um, three or four of our horse rescue places here in SA have had to shut close their doors. Now, their horses, some of those are thoroughbreds. Some of those, they would have gone to the knackery that's how that happens um, you can't keep feeding something that hasn't come up in in the whole discussion across the board is is um, we're in a drought in New mm. South Wales we've had you know one of the worst ever droughts on record mm. people that, in desperate times will do whatever they can for the best interests of their horses and sometimes that means sending them off to the abattoir that's mm. the only they can see a month down the track they're not going to be able to feed that horse they'd rather have it and we'd hope, humanely destroyed, and we'd come back to that as far as the abattoirs, they have to take responsibility. There's other sectors that have to take responsibility for that cruelty.
3: Now, there are a lot of people all in in reaction to this will say, ban horse racing, ban this, ban everything. Uh, but if we did ban it, it's, it's, it's 10 million times worse than actually what we actually see in the, in the report, mm. isn't it? Because a lot well, of
2: people are going to lose a lot of livelihoods. Yeah, well, well, for starters, we'd have forty thousand plus horses that have no purpose. Mm. Um, yeah, active sort of race, or active racehorses and in, in the breeding stocks and that. Um, and I don't know, two hundred fifty thousand odd jobs on so, somewhere mm. around that figure. It's a huge industry, and it puts money straight back into communities as well. Um, if you can go out in the middle, you know, Burke races, or out the back of Angonia in, in, in New South Wales, it's the one event of the year that the community can actually generate funds around and things like that. And again, horse trainers and horse owners travel great distances to be able to put on those events and, and they take their horses there and you know, they really should be encouraged and applauded. Put money into operations where you can generate a, a life after racing, put some regulations in, put some age restrictions on... The horses that can go to abattoirs. Mm. Make it 15 years old or something like that. Let them live a life after they're five, you know, put out at five years of racing. Things like that. Put caps on the breeding. Think about how you can um, control the numbers bred. They're all solutions, and that's where the racing industry can come in and do that. But if we don't start to do a multitude of things, um, you know, we'll still be facing this problem going forward. So.
3: So would it be that easy just to cap the breeding without what what? With, is, it can't is be it, that simple. Can it? Nothing <laughs> can be that simple. But
2: but look, you know, you cap the breeding, and you and um, you know the argument there is that you are going to lower the value of our, our of our horse stock, our mm. blood stock, um, because you know we have a very high value, and and on the international market, we could rem- remember that we're competing against other other countries with mm. that blood stock and that value.
0: Um,
2: yeah, Are they sending horses to abattoirs? Absolutely. Mm.
0: Is, it, is it is that okay, though, that we are competing against other countries in the world that are doing such inha- inhumane things as we are, yet we're worried about the competition and our value dropping? I I think
2: you have to be worried about the value of your bloodstock and things like that because it is an industry that puts in a lot of money into the economy. Mm. Like we've got to think about what's the reality of... Um, jobs on the ground and things as well. Um, yeah, there's got to be a balance.
0: Yeah, like, I yeah.
2: I agree. Like,
0: it's hard to justify, though, isn't it? the The fact that we want it, we want to keep the value, but at the same time, that means continuing, in a sense, some of the things we're doing.
2: Um, yeah, I don't think you necessarily have to continue. You just have we just have to apply a range of things there. And, you know, some of those things that I said, um, you know, putting a cap on there or putting an age limit and restrictions. But it comes back to, like, the individual as well. Uh, Put me in a, you know, let me see a a fellow that treats a horse like that in that caboolture, and I'll put him in the horse pen with him. Mm. You know, it's just shameful. Like, it has to be, there's bad people around everywhere, unfortunately. Um, But, you know, we're lucky that there's better, Yeah. A majority of people are good and we've got that majority in the racing industry really so
0: let's move into this perhaps some of the solutions that could be provided for this issue um what do you know or what what you already listed some okay breeding capping or um what are some of the other things that could potentially be done better for uh these racehorses um look i'd
2: i'd come back to um funding operations like ours like that's a um, yeah, we're we're small, and I'm not experienced in this. And there's plenty of people out there who who know a hell of a lot more than me about horses and how to do it. But the idea is, you, I listen to what people are saying and what they're crying out for, and it is some funding to be able to um, put it into facilities. People have got the the space and the land to do it. Um, they need the infrastructure, and more importantly, they need programs that that they can be sure that when they're taking on a horse it's it's going to have a purpose mm. um and and they're going to have to be selected with with that as well there's you get from any one trainer you'll get a a great horse and a real nasty horse it's got nothing to do with the trainer it's the horse um and that's that's unfortunate and sometimes you just can't break through with those horses um but put some fa- put some facilities in place or some um some centres around the place, some relief type centres, um, educate people on that, um, drive that message home on a, on across all levels of racing. Mm. So not just the, the big meets and that. So spread it out, um, nationally and across the, the regional racing as well. Um, you know, that's probably where horses are being picked off because the high, the high end horses aren't, um, you know, they're in the spotlight. Mm. So, um, good intentioned people taking on horses and then three, four years down the track they realise it's too much to handle and um you know, little little Janie the it's no good for the pony club, the you know, sixteen sixteen and a half hand mm. um thoroughbred. So thoroughbreds. It, it they then get moved on, um and they, they go through that cycle and end up in, in an abattoir unnecessarily perhaps.
1: Is it possible to have Australia-wide regulations, or are the state bodies too stubborn? Like the Victorian Racing Body, obviously mm. taking the front foot on this and and putting things in place.
2: I, look, I'd like to think it's possible. Um, I, I couldn't comment on individual mm. racing yeah. uh, like sectors and and, and bodies,
1: but um, it's not. It's at the moment it's not controlled by, a, I guess a. a a strong Australian body that yes. cause it controls all all the no, states. That, they all work separately. And that's <laughs> right, but autonomously, you know, the, don't they?
2: The, the talk is about having every horse that is in possession or something that is someone's mm. possession um, chipped, and that's a that's an agricultural type thing. That's a, a government type move. So, yep. yes, there are some measures you could put in. Now, let's not forget that you know in in Kosciuszko, they're culling brumbies. In the Northern Territory, there's a report out this week that there's 300 horses found dead in a dry creek bed because they populate and they they're running wild. Like, um, there's a lot of horses die a very horrible death through starvation. So we've got to do something about controlling the number across the whole board. It's not just the thoroughbred racing industry or the harness racing industry. It's you know that they are bred for sport and bred for that, and we can control that a little bit.
0: Peter Valandy said in the documentary uh, a little bit about um, tracking of uh, retired horses and how that works, and they investigated how some of them that are in fact dead are even listed as active, and it's essentially in New South Wales down to the owners reporting or self-reporting to the body. Now, could it be better done? Could it? Could it seriously be better done? That. That the body can track them better than simple word of mouth.
2: Yeah, look, it's it's it obviously can be better done, um, and that's probably where some of that funding needs to go into in those measures. So you know, if we're ending up with horses that are still listed as active in a slaughterhouse, mm. yeah, of course it can be better done. Um, and I but I'm sure that they're looking at that, and well, I know that they're looking at that. That's the the talk over the past two weeks, really.
0: I bet we talk about the Rise Relief Centre. You've brought us some information here down at Victor Harbour. Tell us a bit about it.
2: Oh, look, we're, again, we're only small and, and we're really, I guess we um, we try to act as a bit, bit of a conduit for a lot of people and we get a lot of um, message passing through. But we, we run, um, we've probably rehomed and helped re-educate um, a, a dozen or 15 horses and um, most of those we've had a, an interest in ourselves, be it by ownership or just that you know that friendly uh, you know meet someone at the track and and uh, try to help them out. But um, we've got um, a few horses. We've, we've got a horse that's uh, due to foal any any day now, mm. and um, our idea with that that's a, a race bred foal, so we've, we've done that. So we'd like to see about tracking that you know through that how what goes into. Getting a horse to the track and getting up to a life after racing as well, but um, we've got we've got a couple of brumbies there from Kosciuszko as well that have been saved out of there and they're kids ponies. Um, we've got an RDA pony that we rehomed that we we house at our place and take to the RDA riding for disabled weekly now. Um, one horse that uh, his, his race name was I'm a Soldier, and he's um, he's been retrained to be a, a light horse reenactment horse. Um, We've got a, one from a Melbourne Cup winner from June. Um, she was, her best mate was the bull for six years and she's now um, hopefully going to be trained up to be an RDA horse as well. Wow. Um, and then we've got a couple of runners. So um, one who fortunately, you know, we've we saved him from the slaughterhouse, um, or saved him from the, going to the doggers out of mm. drought-stricken Queensland and he's uh, gone about and won uh, six races and, seventy odd thousand dollars for us over the past two years. Um and he'll come back home when he's done. He's he's out for a spell now. He's he did enough on Saturday. He ran a lovely second in Bal Ranald, country New South Wales. So um he'll have a rest and if uh if he doesn't want to go back out racing he he lets us know. So <laughs> And you're open for people to,
3: if they have horses of that ilk that they think that could uh, need some relief. Are you open
2: to more, or is there a cap, or have you got a? No, look, we we, we are like if we can, um, if we can get the kind of funding that we're talking about, and and actually create programs where there is a an avenue for these horses, so there is a purpose. We're not going to take on horses. Um, we're not a sanctuary we're not going to take on horses and let them languish in a paddock that's mm. not good for anyone um, but I'm always open to people asking if I know how it can go um, we've sort of learned in um, you yeah, the last couple of years uh, we're learning always learning where the right avenues are and the right people to try to approach and, and work with to, to do that so but I'm always going to learn a hell of a lot more as I said there's some very good people out there and they you know they're busy trying to look after their horses in a lot of cases, you know, and, and mm. make that living and, and get around and, and and um support those community races and country races. So we you know, we take some time to try to pull it all together for them as well. So most of the time they're letting us know what might need to be done and we're trying to facilitate it.
0: Well, you've got a vision. You want to run up to twenty uh, off the track horses on the property in various states for retaining all sorts of different purposes and create opportunities for their use. And you've basically uh, outlined some of that. So how do people, I suppose, get in contact who may be listening, who are involved with this industry? Oh, well,
2: the way the way we look at it is it, it is an industry that needs to invest in that kind of thing. So that's our vision. Um, we're not going to sit there and ask for handouts from the public at all. Um, our vision is to say this is what can be done or well, our vision is this we could do this we've got the facility there or we've got the the room there to do it we need to build some infrastructure and that so you know it's not just us there's um there's a whole heap of good things going on around around the state so we want we want to look at uh, equine therapy for veterans uh for, with PTSD and perhaps you know at at risk youth um there's a really good program uh, going on out at Dublin at the moment. They do a lot of this stuff over in New South Wales. It's huge over there with the veterans' support. But um, out at Dublin, there's a program that was trialled, started this year. Um, and then we've got, um, you know, if we can do some trail riding and things like that, and take horses through that way, and then rehome them after that, and keep a cycle going through. But that's a, you know, the industry does need to invest in it. Um, and you know, I'd, I'd love to see the. Uh, the animal activists who clearly, at this time of year, get a lot of donations for their cause. I'd love to see them start to put some of their money back into these programs and actually do some good with that, because they're they're generating you know you know comparable amounts of money as the racing industry mm-hmm. in some cases. So you know, if you if you want to um, save horses and and look after them you know, put your money where your mouth is.
0: Mm. There's a lot of, uh, I heard during the week something about the Melbourne Cup can, I think, sustain itself for an entire year at Flemington without opening the gates one more time until the next Melbourne Cup. So that's the sort of money that this industry is making and it'd be amazing if we could put it in some better areas. Brian, we really do appreciate you coming in. Uh, the project and the cause that you have uh, put forward here is uh, unbelievable and we hope it really does uh, rise in the future and and tracks upward um, to a better place than where it currently is. Brian, thanks for your time in the press box.
2: No worries, thanks.